Greetings, this is Pastor Thomas A. Deloach, and this episode is brought to you by To Empower You, a podcast dedicated to helping young adults and young couples achieve their goals and dreams from a biblical context. From a biblical context. Pastor Thomas A. Deloach. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to To Empower You. I am your host, Thomas A. Deloach, and I'm so glad that you've decided to connect with me for these few moments in time. And on today's show, I want to talk about self-pity. This is a teaching podcast, so go and grab your Bibles and something to write with and take some notes. If you choose to do so, this is going to be a very informative show. I want to start out with the quote of the day, and it says this, There is nothing lost in life. Everything can be used for your greater good. And let's look here at Psalm 73. And by the way, Psalm 73 is my favorite passage in all the Bible. This is really great. And this is a masterpiece, in my opinion, of wisdom developed through the years of wrestling with life's questions and his seemingly contradictions, and Asaph pours out his heart before God and the reader. And I really want you to focus in on this because this really blesses my life, as all the Psalms do, but especially Psalm 73. We're going to start here at verse number one, and I'm going to conclude at verse number 17. This is a lengthy read, but I really got to give it all to you today so you can really get yourself right here in the frame of what's going on here in this particular passage. Notice what it says in Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. But there are no bands in their death but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily, They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who prospers in the world. They increase in riches. Verse 13. Verily have I cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of my children. When I thought to know this, it was just too painful for me. Verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. 
I don't know about you, man, but this is powerful and it speaks volumes to me. And I want to invite you to read it again and again and again. And maybe you can kind of sense what I'm sensing when I read this passage, because this is exactly what's going on in the world today. When we look at people in the world that we think are prospering and they seemingly have more than heart could wish and they got money and cars and they live in big houses and it seems like they're married to the best spouses and they got children in private school and it seems like for you, you barely eking out of existence, you're barely making it, you're struggling, you can't seemingly make ends meet and yet you've given your life to God and you may feel like man things are harder now that I've given my life to God than it was before and so if you are feeling this way or sensing this way you are not alone and this is the thing that births self-pity because the text says again in verse number 17 until I went into the sanctuary of God then I understood I therein and many times we have to get into the presence of God so we can understand that those that we think are prospering are really not. And you really can't see it until you go to the sanctuary, until you get into the presence of God or until you go to the house of the Lord and you're able to hear the word of God. And it speaks something to your heart to help you to understand and know everything is not what you think it is. And this is why I love this psalm. It's just power packed with wisdom. It speaks from the heart. It says things that many times we are too afraid to say to God as if we think we're going to disrespect him about how we feel, although he knows everything about us. And we ought to be able to be really true and honest with God. But many times we can't. And so self-pity causes us to just continue to look at self. And this is why God, I really believe, frowns on self-pity because we're too busy looking in the mirror when we should really be looking to him. Because when we look to God, we're able to truly understand what we have in him. Here's my first question of the day. Do you know what you have in God? If you truly don't know what you have in God, this is why you absorbed with self-pity. Now, let me give you a quick definition of this. Self-pity actually means excessive, self-absorbed unhappiness over one's own trouble. I'm going to read it to you again. Excessive, self-absorbed unhappiness over one's own troubles. And when we are getting in this place in our life, we become self-absorbed because we're looking at our happiness and our, 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 our unhappiness, I should say. And we say to ourselves, man, listen, somebody got it better than me. I'm struggling. And a lot of it is what we are seeing from the outside. We're looking at people's lives and we don't have a way to look intently into what people are going through. We're just looking at what we see. And a lot of people that I sit and I talk with and they may put out a front that they got it all together. But when you sit and talk to them, they don't have it going on like you may think that they do. But we got to really understand that being happy is something external. It's something that something has to happen to you for you to feel good. You buy a new car or you buy some trinket or some medallion or, or, 
a shirt or a pair of pants or some type of gadget or gadget. And it brings some happiness. But see, what we need to be about is joy because joy is internal and it comes from the spirit of God. It comes from something deep within that can never be put out. Nobody can put out joy unless you allow them to, because it's something of the spirit It's something that comes from God himself. And when we really fan the flames of joy, even on days when I may be unhappy about a situation or I may not feel good about a situation, but inside of my spirit, everything is great. Everything is fine. So you got to learn how to live from the inside out. And most Christians just don't know how to do it. We haven't been taught to do it because it's something about these eyeballs in our head. We think when we are looking at something, it's what it actually is and it's not. And so when we truly learn to be spirit led, when we learn to be grateful, when we learn to really be like what God is and God understands certain things that he wants to reveal and to help us with in this journey called life. And so God is not in love with this thing about self-pity. He do he does understand that there's going to be some times in your life where you know, you, you're trying to figure out how things are going to go and, and, and you got some concerns about your children. You got some, some concerns about your spouse. You have some financial concerns. God knows that. He understands that. But what he doesn't want us to be is self-absorbed with everything. In other words, God, does nev God never wants us to be in this life solely for ourselves. God didn't create you for you. He created you for other people. And so when we are in communication and in fellowship with God, he wants your light to shine on the inside and help others to see and understand when you have God, you got it all. I'm going to say that to you again. When you have God for real, you have it all. And so let's get out of the mirror of self-pity. Let's stop looking at other people's lives, wishing that we were them, having their money, having their cars, having their clothes, having their uh, all of the things that they've done in their life that we may call success. But see, when God looks at it, he may not call it that. See, houses and cars and all these things. Does God want me to have a nice house and car? Sure he does. But you know what he wants you to have in the midst of that is some joy. He wants you to have some peace and everybody that's trying to chase this elusive thing in life called success. Many times they lose themselves in the process. The greatest thing you got going for you as a believer is that you have a personal relationship with God that watch this. He talks to you and he he talks to you and you can talk to him. That's the wonderful thing about a relationship. It's just not about a one-sided thing. So God is very much concerned with the things that are going on in your life. And so I think it's so important that we remember this. When I went into the sanctuary, my God, I understood I therein. Everybody has an end. You and I do that are saved and most certainly the ones that are unsaved. But here's the difference. 
The ones that don't know God, their end is destruction. Our end is eternal life. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I want to give you five quick things and do the best job that I can prayerfully. I want to give you five things to consider with this person called Elijah. At least three of my points are going to be about him. And I'm going to give you two more things, some scriptures here that I think would be important to add to this. Because when we look at the Bible and we see Bible characters there, these are real life people who are going through real life situations. And they had to allow God to help them to see that they were involved in this thing called self-pity. Here's number one. Elijah yielded to self-pity for a time and fled to Horeb. I don't know if you know that or not, but he yielded to it, which ought to tell us something here. You have to yield to self-pity for that thing to start working in your life. So don't yield to it. He did. And this was a prophet of God who God used mightily and who was on the run uh, for many of the people that were trying to destroy him. And so I want you to see this in first Kings chapter number 19 verses four and five. And I want you to look here. And see this in first Kings chapter number 19 verses four and five. And it says he came to a broom tree. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. And he says, I have had enough. I've had enough. Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Man, the prophet of God, a prophet, a man of God who speaks for God. You mean to tell me you can be a man or a woman of God and speak for God and feel like you want to die and give up and throw in the towel? Most certainly. And Elijah felt this way. He came to a broom tree and sat up under it and he prayed not that he would live, not that God would allow him to do more great things. This man wanted to die. What was in his life at that time that would have caused him to feel that way? What was going on around him? My God, what was going on in him? What was in it in his life? Out of all the great things that he was doing, what was it that would have caused him to feel the way that he felt? The scripture says, he said, I've had enough. Have you ever said that? I have had enough. I can't take it anymore. And I'm telling you, when you start doing the Lord's work, there are times when you will sense this in your own life. I have, especially when you're really trying to help people and they're pushing you away and you want to be a blessing to people. And then you have to learn again how to be led and who to help, how to be led and who not to help. Everybody doesn't want the help that you're trying to offer. But in this particular case, man, Elijah said, man, I've had enough. He said, take my life. I'm no better. I don't have it going on the way I thought I did. And then he laid down and then he went to sleep. But as the story continues, we know that God didn't take his life. God was just in a place, or should I say Elijah was just in a place where he just needed to rest. And when we are absorbed with self-pity, one of the things we need to do is rest. We need to take a break. Because there's something about us going and going and going and going and pushing and pushing and pushing that we get to a place where we just burn out. We got to stop falling on our own sword for everybody else. 
Let them do that. See, God is asking today for you and I to walk with him in wisdom and in understanding. And one of the things that God wants you to know is that he is yet concerned about you. So anybody, and there's nothing wrong with us being concerned about people when God places them on our heart. But we even need to know what we need to do with that. Sometimes we take things too far. And God will say to us, there's nothing wrong with you feeling the way you feel about wanting to help a brother or a sister. But you also have to understand how far God wants you to go with them. And sometimes we go too far and then our heart gets broken. We get wore out. We get tired. We get frustrated. Then we get cynical and then more cynical. And before you know it, we, be tur we, we turn into rotten fruit. You don't want to be in that situation. You don't want to turn into rotten fruit. So Elijah was in a place where he was fleeing. He was running. He said, man, I cannot take it any longer. And so when we really understand this, we really got to get this in our heart and push forward and know that when we feel this way, we need to get some rest. Not to mention that Elijah was on the run in the first place because Jezebel was after him. You can see this in first Kings chapter 19, one and two, to give you some context to help you to understand why he wanted to die. Jezebel was after him. Ahab, you know, Elijah was doing some great and wonderful things and they wanted to just take him off the planet. And so he was, he was afraid, man. And when we're in fear, we run, but God began to help him to see something. And so let me get to my point. Number two, God confronted Elijah. See, this is what God does when we're in self-pity. He will confront you. We don't want to be confronted, but many times in order for the spirit of self-pity to re be removed out of our lives, we have to be confronted by God. Notice what the scripture says here in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 9. The Bible says that the word of the Lord came to him and asked him this question. This is really good. What are you doing here Elijah. See, this is what I love about God. When he confronts us, he will ask us a very direct question. What are you doing here? And I'm going to ask you this question. If you are dealing with self-pity, you are absorbed. You're not happy. You're always unhappy about certain things that you're looking at, what you're seeing. And when you get on the run and finally, when the spirit of God confronts you, he's going to ask you, why are you here? Do you know why you're where you are? Do you know? Until you do, you can't move from where you are. God asks us some questions many times and they're direct. And, 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 you know, I got people in my life and I love them and I talk to them and we really share, break bread together. And I ask them some direct questions just like this. Why are you here in your life? Why are you where you are? Why is this going on? And, you know, we get blank stares. People, you know, look up at the ceiling. It's almost like something direct. People have never asked them that question before or they have and they're just afraid to answer the question. I don't want you to run from it. But sometimes some people in your life have to ask you, why are you unhappy? Why? What's the reason? Sometimes we are embarrassed and ashamed to really be honest and say, 
while we're unhappy because we don't want a friend or a family member to look at us wrong. But people in your life that really love you and really care about you and they ask you these questions, what they're really trying to do is to help you to see it. Sometimes confessing it, getting it out, getting it in the open. Now it's exposed, but you saying it and you seeing it and you hearing yourself say it is so much more different. See, it's one thing if I tell you you're selfish. It's another thing if you come out and say, you know what? I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I'm self-absorbed. I'm always unhappy. I'm jealous. I'm envious. I'm covetous. I don't like it when people have something that I don't have. See, we never get to that place because we don't want to hear ourselves say it. But in order for you to get free, in order for you to get delivered, in order for you to have the life that God wants you to have, to thine own self be true. You got to be real with yourself. And this is what I love about God. He confronted Elijah because he loved him. You are my prophet. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you here? In other words, you shouldn't be here. You should be there. And many times we can't get to there because we are here. But this is a blessing that I want you to see today. Being here where you are right now is going to help you to get to a place called there. It's going to help you to get out to where your destiny and your purpose and where God ultimately wants you to be. Point number three, Elijah listens to God regarding his self-pity. This is one of the things I got to tell you. We got to listen to God regarding our self-pity. That's how you get out of it. You got to listen, take some counsel, take some instruction, keep that spiritual ear open to God, no matter how bad you feel. God could be challenging you, correcting you, rebuking you, because God chastens whom he loves. Notice what he says here in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 10. He says, this is the reply. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. All right, Elijah, we thank you for being honest about that. But I want you to see this. Maybe you didn't hear what I said or didn't see it the way that I saw it. But notice everything. I'm going to read it to you again. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. See, everything is about him. See, when you're self-absorbed and you're in pity, you start your sentences out with I. I've done this. I've done that. I've stood when other people have walked away. I've been here when every people threw it, everybody threw in the towel. I'm the only one giving. I'm the only one serving. I'm the only one loving God. I'm the only one doing this. And we know that that's not the case. And then he goes on to say that the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They broke down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And then he comes back again, being in self-pity, being in self-absorbed. And he says, I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. That's a lie. You're not the only one left. I believe the Bible says that he had thousands, 7,000 or so who have not bowed to Baal who have not bowed to the, to the spirit of self-pity. God is trying to help us to understand, you are not the only one living right. 
You are not the only one doing. You are not the only one serving. You are not the only one standing for God. I know that we feel that way sometimes because see, once again, self-pity helps you, keeps you directed internally. It keeps you looking at you. So you have, you don't even see what everybody else is doing. You just see what you're doing and what you're doing is not the sum total of everything. And so the Lord had to help him to understand some things, but this is good because watch this. He's getting counsel. He's getting pastored by God. Oh, that's such a dirty word today because people don't even want to be pastored by nobody. They don't want to listen to it. Well, not everybody. Some folk don't want to be pastored. They say that they do, but in order for you to be pastored, there has to be some close proximity. You got to be willing. You got to yield. Somebody got to ask you some tough questions. But see, through these questions that God is asking him, Elijah may not know this, but things are being revealed about what's going on. Sir, you're where you are because of you. You're where you are because you thought something that is solely not true. Have you ever been in a place in your life and you said when you finally woke up to your own self-pity, you said, man, I was under a delusion, a deception. I am where I am because of me. It is not as bad as I thought it was. And so when we wake up to these realities, we are able to see what God is saying. Here's point number four. We got to turn from self-pity. When you can recognize it in your life through people that are asking you tough questions and you hear yourself saying, I, I, me, me, all the stuff that you're doing and then discounting everything and everybody else, like you're the only one living right, the only one living holy, the only one giving, serving. You know that's not true. But when you wake up to the things that you're saying, you have to immediately turn from self-pity. You know why? Because self-pity will dry you out. Self-pity will snatch your anointing from your life. Self-pity will steal your peace. It will steal everything because the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. See, as long as everything is about you, you can't help nobody. When everything, now don't get me wrong. You got to learn how to take care of yourself, take a break, get some rest when you need to do so. But other than that, when God's got you on an assignment, it's so important that you understand what the assignment is and only do what God is telling you to do. When we go above and beyond trying to get some more brownie points with God, this is how we dry out. You got to listen to God about how long you need to go with people because people that are hurting, they want help, but they want it at your expense many times because they're not at a place where they can stand on their own two feet and get it for themselves. So people will continue to take, 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 take. So you got to listen to God when you're on an assignment and only do what he is asking you to do. When we turn from self-pity, notice what the scripture says, Proverbs 15 and 13. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Have you been there before where you've had a happy heart, where it caused your face to shine and glow? But when you are in a heartache or a heartbreak, it crushes your own spirit. So we got to be wise. Do you want a happy heart 
or do you want heartache? Now, you may say, that's a foolish question. I want a happy heart. You'd be surprised about how easy it is to answer a question, but we do everything counterproductive to the things that we say that we want. I talk to people and ask them, what do you want? They say they want this, that, and the third, but they're doing everything other than what they say that they want. So that's a very important question for you. What do you really want? Now, if you say that you want a happy heart, then you're going to have to start doing things that causes that heart to be happy. And may I say this to you, boiling it all the way down, Jesus got to be the center of your joy, not people. They cannot be, not your spouse, not your children, not your job, not your accomplishments, not the things that you've done. No, Jesus has to be the center of your joy. We thank God for our husbands, wives, children, and things that we've accomplished, but they cannot take the place of God. And we've allowed things to take the place of God, and now we're too self-absorbed, too self-absorbed. Get out of that. Turn from self-pity. Make a choice today and say, I'm going to have a happy heart. And where it starts is working on my relationship with God. Because I need him to show me and tell me some things, not only about me, but about the people that are around me. That's causing maybe my heart to ache and break and bleed. And then I get all fixed up and repaired. And then I do the same thing that I didn't want to do. So we got to be wise. Here's my last point. Point number five, the all too familiar Jonah. Jonah became angry and was filled with self-pity for which God rebuked him. And we know the story of Jonah. I'm not going to get into that today, but I love this because God had told Jonah what to do. But Jonah, mm -mm, I'm not going to do it. But notice what the scripture says here. And Jonah chapter four, verses three and four, it says, now, O Lord, Take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? Now, this is the same thing that Elijah said. See, when we on the run, we want God to take our life. But the reality is God will challenge us. He will correct us because Jonah was filled with self-pity. I feel sorry for myself. But notice what God did. He rebuked him. Man, God loves us so much that he will rebuke us. Can I say this to you? He chases whom he loves. If God loves you, he going to rebuke you. He's going to correct you to get you out of self-pity. He said, Lord, take my life for it is better for me to die than it is for me to live. But the Lord replied, have you a right to be angry? You don't have no right to be angry. You don't have no right to be mad. See, God will challenge you in these things once again. He will, he will say to you, you don't have no right to be angry. You don't have a right to be mad. And watch this. Can I tell you this and be honest with you? Many times our number one issue is we mad with God. There it is. How about that? We're mad with God because our life didn't turn out the way we thought. We're mad with God because we were hoping for something that hasn't happened yet. We're just mad and angry with God when we just need to fess up and say to God, I'm mad with you. I'm angry with you. I'm 40 years old, still not married. 35 years old, still don't have no kids. 50 years old, still broke, busted, and disgusted. Whatever your situation is, 
pour it out like they did in Psalm 73. God knows how to deal with real and honest things that are going on inside of you. He still yet loves you. I'm trying to empower you today because we hear too much in church. We can't be honest with God because we're being disrespectful. Well, my God, if I can't be honest with him, who can I be honest with? And he already knows the way that I take. He already knows how I feel. And so when we get it out and we put it out, you got to be okay with God rebuking you and correcting you because he's trying to point you to a place of peace. He's trying to point you to a place of mental stability. He's trying to point you and show you where you've erred. He's trying to point you to a place and where you didn't obey and do what he told you to do. He's trying to point you to a place and get you higher and above the stuff that you're dealing with. This is so true in many of our lives. We just may be upset with God. But I want you to know today, self-pity does not have to ride in your life. You can remove it through being honest, through the questions that other people ask you, the questions that God himself will ask you and slow down and be honest. When you need to take a break, take it. When you need to say no, say it. You can't give to everybody. God ain't asking you to give to everybody. And anybody that God is asking you to give to, let God tell you to do it because he knows you have it and he knows you have the ability to do it. Anything else, continue to live your life and love God, have peace with God, have peace with man, have peace with yourself and everything else most certainly would take care of itself. Well, that's all that I have for you today. I pray that these few points really did bless you as it relates to self-pity. Do me a favor and send me an email at info at thomasadeloach.com. If this episode was a blessing to you, share with a family and a friend. Give them this word to empower them. You can go to my website at thomasadeloach.com. Check us out doing some things. Find out some more about me. If this is your first time listening, God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that I've gained a new listener, new follower, new subscriber. And we love you to life. Believe in God's best for you. Go and be great today. And remember to be empowered. Thank you for listening to my show to empower you. If you were blessed, inspired, and encouraged, please send me a praise report, prayer requests, or show ideas to info at thomasadeloach.com. And follow me on Instagram at Thomas A. Deloach and Facebook at Dr. Thomas A. Deloach. And remember, you can go to my website anytime at www.thomasadeloach.com. Until next time, be empowered.